there. You're going to need them uh, tonight. And if you turn to the book of Numbers, turn to the book of Numbers and have that open. Okay. You know, the different series that we do in churches, you've got to be careful because some things that we do, like what's love got to do with it? Everybody's interested and we think that, that that's great, you know, because it talks about our heart, talks about relationships, and that's interesting. But be careful, guys, because sometimes the things you really need, you might not be that interested in, right? And the mind is such a huge topic, you cannot afford to be disinterested in it, right? You need to take this particular series very, very much to heart. We've been, I don't want to keep on recapping because we'll be doing it for several weeks, but we're going to base the series called Hearts and Minds upon these three scriptures. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And basically what that means is we have limited ourselves by our thinking. You will never move beyond what you think of yourself. And if I can just be honest, some people think very little of themselves. Some people have a very low opinion of themselves. And it's seen in the way they let people treat them. It's seen if you dig into their personalities. It's seen if you look at their lives. Well, God has got a high opinion of you. That high. Amen? And we need to start to get that identity and to live out of that. It is extremely sad to meet someone who's 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 and have lived their whole lives and have not done one single jot on their mind. But I tell you this, friends, listen to me. All over the world, there are millions of believers just like that. And the only thing they are is saved. That's it. And the mind they had when they got saved, it's the same mind today. The only thing is, there's a few bits added on, like praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But as we looked at this morning, you can confess the truth and then two seconds later, confess your old thinking, just like we're going to see in a moment. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's you, by the way. So your life is just the product of your thinking. And God tells us that we are to renew our mind. The second foundational scripture is that the carnal mind is death. Now, can't put it much more seriously than that. The carnal mind is death. That's the natural mind, by the way. Okay, but the spiritual mind is life and peace. Now, don't answer this out loud, but do you have peace of mind? The, car the carnal mind is death, but the spiritual mind, you may as well say, is peace of mind. The spiritual mind is life and peace. But the truth is, we seek peace of mind in a bottle. We seek peace of mind in a relationship. We seek peace of mind in every other thing. But God has already given us the answer to a peaceful mind. It's a spiritual mind. It's having our, our thoughts lined up with Scripture. So we're just going to go straight on. I don't want to recap all the time. Tonight's topic is breaking what we'll call grasshopper mentality. And I want to look just for a second at that word mentality. What is my mentality? Well, we did a little bit of that in the first session. Paul calls it your attitude. He calls it the attitude of my mind. That I need to be renewed in the attitude of my mind, my mentality. Your mentality is your attitude of mind. 
Your mentality produces your character. We saw that in Romans, right? Your mentality produces your personality because you're living out of that. Your mentality produces your psychology. What I mean is by that is the way you think. Your whole thinking setup. The workings of your mind. Your mentality produces your makeup, your disposition. So it's, a, it's an all-encompassing thing. That's why it's the conclusion to Paul's message in the book of Romans. In Romans 12, he concludes with chapter 12, verse 1, in my opinion, when he comes to the final conclusion of the gospel, which is? Come on. Serious stuff, folks. Hey, Paul's conclusion is therefore... You see, he's talking about everything that's gone before. He's just explained the history of Israel, the Jews, the cross, the resurrection, your repentance, your coming to salvation, and then it's all over. But he's coming to a point. And the point is this. Therefore, do you see it? Nothing happens till you renew your mind. All of that just gets you to heaven. That's it. But actually in this life, you'll do nothing. Therefore, you must be transformed. But there's only one way. By renewing your mind. And it's getting this book in to my thinking, to my thoughts, living out of it. Right? That's what we must do. Turn to the book of Numbers. And let's look at this again. Numbers chapter 13. Same book we were in this morning, but I'll start at the verses that we left off at. Numbers chapter 13 and verse 13. Numbers 13, 13. Then Caleb silenced the people. Good thing to do with, ne with negative people. These were negative people. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack the, the, those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread amongst the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land that we have explored devours, the, devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. And look at that last line. We seemed like grasshoppers. This is their mentality. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And so we looked to them. Sad, sad, sad thing, this. These guys have just spent 400 years in slavery. So you can imagine, you know, my, my father was a slave. My grandfather was a slave. My great-grandfather was a slave, and I'm a slave. And that was absolutely branded upon them. It was, it was their mentality. But listen, even though they'd come through that, they weren't slaves now. They were free. But they were not ready for that freedom. They were not ready for that Red Sea parting. They were not ready to pass through the wilderness, even though God, because the parting of the Red Sea represents your salvation. Now what are you going to do with it? They did nothing with it. They all died. They all died in the wilderness, except two, Joshua and Caleb. And as you study through the book of Numbers, you know, it is astonishing to think. They estimate there was two million men who left Egypt. And out of two million, how many do you think were positive? <laughs> how many do you think renewed their minds? Answer, one in a million. Joshua and Caleb and all the others were actually negative about God's word now they made one big mistake and let this be a warning for me and a warning to you God judged them and God spoke remember he said not one of you 
will enter the promised land because murmuring. He said, I heard you murmur negatively, complaining towards God about the, their, their, their whole situation. And God judged that murmuring. He saw it as a very, very serious offense to him, speaking negatively, you see. And he said, because of that, they, were, they had come from slavery. And what do slaves do? Slaves complain naturally enough. Slaves murmur beneath their breath. Oh, yeah, yeah. But now they were out of slavery. Now they were under God, their father, who was a good father. But they kept the habit of murmuring. And that was not acceptable to God. And so he said, you will all die. And they did. Whatever number it was, the fighting men, 600,000 or whatever. And they died in there, in that wilderness. Sad thing. Two people. They had what we'll call a grasshopper mentality. We looked like gra we, 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 we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and so we seemed to. They saw themselves that way. Now, you're not born like that. You're not born like that. You don't, bo you know, no, 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 no baby. It's just a, a blank sheet. And that's how you were when you were born. But what's happened is people have said things to you. Life has happened to you. Words have been spoken to you, and that can be a powerful thing. And if you don't deal with it, if you just let people say whatever they want, then that, 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 that's the wrong road. Renewing our minds and controlling you know, what we think and how we think, is, 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 is a, it's a purposeful thing. It's an intentional thing. Listen to this. It's a recent study on negative speech. The average child growing up at home hears 10 negative statements for every one positive. Now, you have to correct the child, amen? But 10 negative for one positive. That's at home. At school, a child will hear seven negative for every one positive. Oh, that is a ratio of 17 to 2. That's sad. Now, I know you've got to correct in everything. And they also, the study went on to say this, that it shows that for every one negative statement that's made, it takes four to turn that into a positive. So if you came in here today and someone said, um, you know, uh, uh, your hair's a mess, you know, you could walk up and say, oh, my hair's a mess, is it? But then maybe you walk up to four other people and they say, oh, your hair's lovely, your hair's lovely. Your hair's By the time you get to the fourth, you think of the first person and say, idiot, they all said my hair was lovely, right? Shocking statistics. Ten negative for every one positive? We've got to get this word, because it's in here, right? The word of God, get the mind of Christ which dwells in your spirit and put it into my mind. Get the mind of Christ, the word of God, and get it into my mind. We wouldn't call it grasshopper mentality today. We would call it an inferiority complex. And actually, there's a lot more of that around than we might like to think. And I would even include myself in that definitely years ago. People who feel inferior, what, what do we mean by that? Well, we mean inadequate, feeling not quite up to it, feeling that you just can't make it. And people like that can often be angry because you can see maybe others succeed and you start to think, well, why can't I succeed? People like that can become bitter when you feel inferior, bitter towards success particularly. You can develop like an acid in your spirit 
a resentment, particularly towards successes around you. I think this whole inferiority complex, a grasshopper mentality, is much more common than we would like to think. So we will never move beyond what we think of ourselves. It's not you, it's not God in one way who determines how blessed you are. It's you. It's you who determine that. It's you who determine that by your thinking, as we said this morning. At a first glance, you look at the church and you can be very quickly deceived by thinking God treats some people better than others. God loves some people more than others, wouldn't you? I mean, some people seem to be happy, prosperous, healthy, joyful. And then there's me, <laughs> right? At a first glance, it can seem like that. No, some have renewed their mind. Some are agreeing with the scripture, not just with their speech, not just in their heart, but with their thinking. And that's the product of it. And others have never done that. And so that's how they live. So how do we break an inferiority complex? And as I say, I think it's a lot more common than maybe we would like to think. How do we break grasshopper mentality? Well, point one is very simple. Believe what God says about you. You have three options, friends. You've got three options all day, every day. You can believe what other people say about you. As I say, sometimes that might be right. But a lot of the time that will not be acceptable. And you will have to dump that. You can't take that in. So you can believe what others say. You can believe what you say about you. But that not, might be wrong, right? Or you can believe what God says. And it's obviously what God says we're looking for. That's what we must believe. I was just thinking today, as we travel over the years around different churches, and you go back, you know, on regular visits one year later or two years later, I am shocked by the number of pastors who you meet. And you go to the church and things are, you know, rip-roaring, fantastic. And you talk with the leadership team and they say, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to plant a church here. Yeah, oh, fantastic, great, praise the Lord. And off you go, you know. You come back like a year later or two years later, nothing. Nothing. And you say to the pastors or leaders, what, what, weren't you going to do a, B, C? I said, oh yeah, we, um, we didn't do it. But all the leaders were in agreement. I remember that meeting. I remember that you were all positive about that. Yeah, we, we didn't do it. And if you probe in situations like that, do you know what you always seem to hear? What that pastor will discover in his mind? One person said something. Oh, Mrs. So-and-so said it wasn't a good idea. Mrs. So-and-so didn't agree. Mr. So-and-so said this. Hey, hang on a minute. <laughs> so you got a group of 20, 30, 40, 50, and you had a plan, you had a dream, you had a vision, and you were going to implement it, and Mrs. So-and-so said one thing, and you counterbalanced everything because of that one statement? Yes. And that happens all the time. Clever, isn't it? Just one little word of what someone else says can derail, and I'm talking about leaders. You can't have that mentality. What are you going to believe? Are you going to believe what God says about you? Are you going to believe what others say? Do you know the church cannot take one step without someone saying, you shouldn't really do that. I wouldn't put that foot there if I was you. Are you going, no, 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 don't do it. Remember that snap we had of man landing on the moon? 
who was the first Neil Armstrong, and he's just about to step, and behind him is Buzz Aldrin, and someone had done a little balloon, and Buzz Aldrin said, I wouldn't put that foot there if I was you. <laughs> and that's what it's like. Believe me, if you're ever going to do anything, anything whatsoever, every move will be challenged. There will be a voice somewhere challenging every good thing that you do. And believe me, you are very foolish if having got consensus that little Mr. So-and-so or little Mrs. So-and-so who have never done anything, who have you let those little voices start to detract you from your task because they will always be there, right? And le leaders, you need to listen because you will get this all your life. Now, listen to advice. You stay open always, but you've always got to be sharp for that type of voice that's really out to detract you from your goal. So first, how do we break this type of mentality, the inferiority complex? Well, number one, believe what God says about you. And that's what they didn't do. They said we are like grasshoppers in our own eyes. They chose to believe that. Now, as I say, I think people feeling inferior is, uh, I, I would definitely class myself there, particularly when I got saved. At that time, I was sharing in the afternoon congregation just today. You see, I come from a family of nine. There was nine brothers and sisters, and I was the youngest. So the most common two words I heard was, shut up, right? And that, I mean, I really mean that. So all the way up, if you get that as a child, believe me, it does affect you. And it did affect me. So much so, at a very young age, I developed a severe, you know, speech impediment. And the teachers would go, it's embarrassing in school. You know, there's a stutter, a stoppage, and a stammer. There are three different things. A stutter is when you go st 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 A stammer is when you go st 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 And a stoppage is when you... That's a stoppage. <laughs> so I had the first one, which was a stutter. And they sent me to speech therapy, you know? And you have to sit there. And I had to have one of my parents with me. And you're sitting and they get you to read. And they go, ba 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 ba. And it's, it's, it's an awful thing. But it did make me feel somewhat inferior, very shy, and, you know sort of I would pull back from any situation I would go to church on Sunday it was the Catholic Church and they used to have the plate at the back you know where they would give the plate to someone who would have to go I would be so frightened of having to take up the offering that I would dodge that guy just to get because that, that, that's how fearful I was of people number one fear in the world is standing up before people number one fear on earth they're more frightened of that than death you're not that bad I mean come on it's a serious thing but it developed in me some serious inhibitions. Listen, see these guys in the Bible? Not too many confident there. Not too many wise. Not too many noble, says Paul. Mostly pretty broken vessels around here. Nearly all of them. Even the good ones were, were damaged. I mean, look at Moses, Joshua, Gideon, and Jeremiah. All four inferiority complex. All four. When God first spoke to Moses, the, he, mo, mo, uh, Moses replied to God like this. God said, I want you to do the ABC. Moses says, I am speechless, worthless, and powerless. When God spoke to Jeremiah, Jeremiah's reply was, I'm only a child. When God spoke to Gideon, Gideon said, me, I'm the least inferior. I'm the least in my family. When God spoke to Joshua, well, he just runs for hiding, right? He can't cope, terrified. 
So what does God have to say again? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. These guys were, were not there. God chooses the weak and the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And all of those men had to come through the same process of starting to believe what? What God said about them. Not what others said. I'm sure they did say you're the weakest in your family. Not what others said. Not what they thought, but what God said. So Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor. And praise the Lord, we know the story. He came to believe that. Yeah? Now that's not pride, by the way. That's just plain and simply believing what God says about you. Amen? So if God, whatever God says, that's fine. That's what we are to become, to grow into. Look, God doesn't have favorites. <laughs> there ain't no favorites. So the, 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 the disproportional blessings, the disproportional joy, the disproportional freedom, that's you. It's not Him. It's all available. It's only an 11-day journey. Only a very short thing, if we would only change our minds. So first things first, believe what God says about you. Secondly, we need to confess what God says. Remember what we looked at this morning. Numbers chapter 13 and verse 27. Then uh, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit, but... And that is, you need to underline that in your Bible. Because they had faith, as I said today. They had faith. They had the Word of God. But they also had unrenewed thinking. And it wasn't faith that was the blockage. And I don't believe it's faith that's the blockage in you either. It wasn't lack of the Word that was the blockage. And I do not believe that it's a lack of Word in you. I'll say it again. I do not believe that lack of faith in you is the problem. I do not believe that not hearing from God is your problem either. There's another blockage. And with them, it was the very same thing. Right? I've got to believe it up, up here as well as in here. Whoever, you know, confesses with his mouth and believes in his heart, that's a mind thing there as well. It's just plain and simply unrenewed thinking. Look, if I get a flip chart with a blank sheet and I give you a marker and I say, here you are, write on this flip chart what God thinks of you. Tell the truth. No one will ever see it. It's between you and God. We're leaving you here in this room. Here's the marker. You write on there what you think God thinks of you. Someone actually did that once, and the result was not good. Take a look at the back of your notes. Do you know what God thinks of you? Do you know what God says you are? He says you're the salt of the earth. That's what He says. He says you're the light of the world. He says you're a child of God. He says you're a friend of God. You're a temple. You're united with Christ. You're a new creation. That we are members of His body. That we're heirs in the kingdom. That we're the saints of God. He says that we're God's workmanship. He says that we're citizens of heaven, that we're righteous, that we're hidden in Christ. Now tell me, what would you have written? What would you have written about how God thinks? Of, we need to start believing what God says about us. That's the point, amen? There's your list. There's your identity. 
And when we're, we're in the wilderness, when we, that, that is when we've just got saved, the challenge comes on identity, right? Jesus, led by the Holy Spirit into the world. Uh, if you are the Son of God, identity challenge, straight away. Before you can conquer, before you can enter, how are you thinking about yourself, Jesus? Are you the Son of God? Same for the people of Israel when they were in the, the wilderness. You think you can take that land, do you? Challenge to their identity. Challenge to the Word of God. And they had to change their thinking, which they didn't do. And only two of them did it. So it's the same battle for us. We'll start at believe what God says about me. And then secondly, under why, on the back of your notes, is start to believe that I can do what God says I can do. I can do what the Word of God says I can do. Why should I say I can't when God says I can? Why should I lack when God says He will supply all my needs? Why should I fear when God did not give me a spirit of fear? Why should I feel weak when God says He is my strength? Why should I allow the devil any victory in my life when God says He that is in me is greater than he that is in the world? Why All of these are thoughts, by the way. Why should I tolerate defeat, think about defeat, meditate on defeat when God says He will always lead me in triumph? Why should I worry when God says I should cast all my cares on Him? Why should I feel alone when God says He will never leave me or forsake me? It's a big question. How do I renew my mind? Because there's no victory without it. How do you renew your mind? There is a place to start. You start by believing what God says you are, who God says you are. Start by seeking out the truth of that. Start by believing, and it's the last point, you need to start to do what God says you can do. I don't know how many of you have had a word from God to do something. I know some, because you've told me. But you know, I, I, I believe Christians make the most basic of mistakes. So, I grow up, I'm inhibited, I feel just a little bit inferior, to be honest with you, and time goes by, and I was sharing with, with our, in our cell group on Tuesday, nothing happened. My life was, was pretty bad. I, I was in social service and everything, but I was a heavy drinker, and it was a mess. But everything changed for me at the point of salvation. I didn't have confidence as such, but I knew that things would work out. Now, I'll tell you the truth, and I've, I haven't shared this publicly before, but this is the truth. Listen to this, and I hope it helps you. So I get saved. And I've got a speech impediment. So I go to God. It's all brand new. I don't know anything. And I said to God, God, you know, hallelujah, I'm saved. And now I'll serve you. And I will do anything that you ask me to do except preach. That's what I said. Because I can't because of this. I can't, God. And I was over the moon. And off I go. A few weeks go by. And I'm just born again. And I'm sitting in my flat, just basking in the love of God, when one of the first words of God came that completely blew me apart. It was only one word. But it was very clear. Preach. That was it. Not preach this, just one word. But I heard it. And I knew I heard it. Now you might say, oh, you must have been excited. No, no. <laughs> Terrified? Yes. Angry? Yeah. A bit angry. Because I thought we had an agreement. I actually did. I thought that wasn't going to be the way of this. 
So then I was stuck. So backslid a little bit at that time. But in the end, I came to the conclusion, and I had no one to help me at that time. Wasn't, I was in a church, but it wasn't that sort of church. But I, I was very miserable because I couldn't fulfill that in my mind, and yet I knew the word was there. And the day came, I remember, I was walking through a park, and I was weeping severely because I couldn't face the challenge. And I said, that's it. I went home, I rang the, 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 the church secretary, and I said, God has spoken to me, and I want to put my name down, and I'm available to preach. And he said, okay, fine, bye. And little did he know that that phone call, Nyon, you know, destroyed me, because I was terrified, terrified. And then I got mixed up with some open-air preachers and got really into that for many years. But the first time I went down there, I was literally moving on the spot with shaking and moving I mean people came to look at this you know look at this guy he's completely cuckoo no I'm terrified absolutely terrified what's the third point we never break that thing until you start to do what God says you can do now in my mind I don't think I can right but God just said to do that God just said go preach so therefore what's true God's Word, not my mind, not my thinking, and the day has to come. And that's the conclusion I came to in that park, you see. I thought nothing's going to go right in my life until I do what God said I can do, even if I think I can't. And I'm just saying, folks, how many of you have had a word from God to do something? Say it's healing. I know there's one person here with that who haven't, has not fulfilled their calling yet. Say it was healing. And you know that God has spoken to you to go and to move in the ministry and in the gift of healing. But you haven't done it. Why not? It's your mind. It's because you still think that you can't. And the day has to come when you say, do you know what? I'm just going to do it anyway. Do you know what? I'm, going to, I'm just going to go and start praying for people. I heard a, a, a testimony from... A person, I can't remember, man or woman, and they wanted, they felt called to healing, to the healing ministry. And they started to go to see people who were moving in that ministry. And they found this couple who nearly everybody they were praying for was healed. And this person who had not yet entered their ministry was sitting, goodness me, that's good. Look at that, look at the faith. Oh. They made an appointment to see this couple. And the person goes in and say, wow, you know, God called, God's called me to a healing ministry. How did you do that? How did you start? And I remember that couple said, well, God called us too and told us to go and to lay hands on people, to heal the sick. That was our commission. So what we did is we bought a big, thick book, blank book, a ledger, and we made a commitment as a couple that every person who contacts us for prayer for healing down will go their name. And when they get healed, we'll tick them off. You know, done. So we started our book. First 10 people, no tick. <laughs> 50, 60, and the names kept piling up. 120, 150, no healings. They got over two hundred people 
that they had prayed for without one single healing. And then they said, boom, first one. The first healing happened. And then another one. And then you would get 10 or 15 people in a row. And then you might struggle for a while. But slowly, as we simply obeyed what God said we were to do, we actually broke through that. Right? And I think we can have a, a, a rosy idea of what ministry is about. Ministry can be terrifying. Right? And it's something you need to work at and push at and insist. God says it. That settles it. And I'm going to do it. Whether it works or doesn't work. Whether they get healed or they don't. I'm still going to do it. So don't read over that third point. It's, to me, it's the key. And for many of you, God will have spoken to you to do something. But you haven't done the, the, the simplest of things. You haven't done it. You haven't done it. You're waiting for something that isn't going to be happening. It's over to you. And of course, that's scary. Let's pray. Let's pray that our minds begin to genuinely, truly be transformed over these next few weeks. About another three or four weeks, we'll look at specific mentalities. Could I invite the worship team back? Let's stand. Hallelujah. Let's just stay focused for one moment. Lord, we commit to doing the first thing that we've said tonight, and that is to believe what you say. And any damage that's been done in our minds to our self-perception, we just smash it in Jesus' name. The negative words spoken over my mind, I smash them in the name of Jesus, Lord. And anything positive, I receive it happily and hold it. But above all things, God, we choose to believe what you say to every one of us here, that we are precious, that we are the beloved of God. We are your treasured possession. Lord, help us to think straight, to think aright. I just give you a moment right now to make your peace of mind with God, to invite God to be the Lord of your mind as well as your heart.